Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The thing of a bob. Talk Recorded live. Hello and welcome. This is Denise Michaels, and today is. Tuesday, November 17th, 2015. I am here with Todd Allen, author of Life Mastery Keys and host of Life Mastery Radio. Uh, We were just talking for a couple of minutes before I turn the recorder on, and we're going to go over a couple of items on uh, Chapter 13 on self-esteem. So as I'm saying all of these things, I am looking for that so I can open it up. 13, self-esteem. All right, got it right in front of me. If if, if I lose you, just know that my power is I'll know it's because the pine cone knocked you, knocked you out or something. So The lights have been flickering, so the, the wind's just blowing like a bugger. It's just crazy. So. Wow, wow. If that happens. You know what happened to me. I can jump on Skype because, well, oops. My router, eh, I'll have to go out and start my generator no matter what, so I'll call back in. It might take a little while. We'll keep our fingers crossed. Yeah. So, all right, so where do we need to go? Um, The second page at the very top. At the very top. I don't know that I can say my mom was the very first woman police officer in Washington State, but she was certainly one of the first women. Okay. All right. Let me change that one. Oh, got it. Got it. Women police officers. Okay, got it. And then in the next paragraph, it just kind of hit me funny because... I didn't become a big tough guy, although I probably thought I was, until I got out of the Marine Corps. Um, And it says, I was a big tough guy, and I'm sure a few people then said I was a jerk. I fed off positive attention from others and my accomplishments. Okay. So um, do you want big tough guy in there at all? Uh, as a boy, I grew up, even if they didn't like me, I was... No, let's not look at the context, but I mean, the idea of big, tough guy, do you want that in there at all? Well, that's kind of what I'm trying to get at. At this point, I'm still in high school or a young kid is what I'm thinking, right? Right, right. But, but what I'm saying is I can add to the in front of that sentence after I got out of the, the Marines. Oh, right. Right, but... Right. but the thing is, is if you say, Denise, I don't want big, tough guy in there, then I'm not going to say, after I got out of the Marines, I was No, because Marine. after I got out of the Marines, that's exactly what I was. What? I'm sorry, what is that, Todd? After you got out of the Marines, what? After I got out of the Marines, that's exactly what I was. Okay. So that's Before. okay. After, after I uh, got out of the capital M, Marines, Semper Fi, I was a big, tough guy. 
Yeah. Okay. All right. So that corrects that. And so then on the next page. Okay. Let me scroll down. Scroll down to page three. I'm there. And toward the bottom, my engineering business is set up to up as a service to heal broken machines. I'm also passionate about expanding Toastmasters, a global training program for people who want to improve public speaking and leadership skills. Maybe we should put that yeah. in. Okay, good. And leadership, got it. Okay. And I think that's all I had. I think that was okay. All right. Well, then I'm looking. probably easier. I read your blog. I read your Facebook post about <laughs> one of your other clients. That oh, I found another one. So let's see. No, that's not you. I hope you don't no, think I, that's No, me. I didn't think it was me. I know better. <laughs> no, no. As, as it turned out, there really wasn't a whole lot he wanted change. It's just he hadn't really communicated it clearly. Right. So I was blowing up in my head going, oh, my gosh, I hope this isn't like, you know, he wants me to, like, just <laughs> dump the whole chapter and start over or something, you know. So, right. and it's funny because I started going through, because he had started, like, writing stuff down, on t- you know, in the red letters, track changes stuff. Oh, my goodness. And I said, you know, this reads more like a resume or a curriculum vitae. I said, you know, Bill, we have to kind of like engage them and grab them and pull them in, you know. And he goes, well, he goes, I tend to be kind of OCD. He goes, just see if you can blend some of that stuff in there, you know. Right. And I said, really, that's it? And he goes, yeah, that's it. Everything else is good. He's <laughs> like, oh, my God, I'm so relieved, you know. <laughs> so anyway, I'm sorry, go ahead. Where else are we going to? Uh, page nine. All right, let's see here. Page eight. Okay, go to one more. Okay, page nine. I'm at the top. Down toward the bottom, I'm a computer geek. Right. So I'm a computer geek, and back in the day, operators used to hit three keys twice to get a computer to reboot and stuff. Now, I know you said twice. However, I hit those three keys one time and it works. And I thought, hit three keys twice, three twice was a little confusing. So that's why I left the word twice off of there. But if you want me to put it in there, I'll be happy to do well, it. Well, it used to be in the, in the DOS days, so you'd hit Control-Alt-Delete and you'd get a screen. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the way it is today. You hit Control-Alt-Delete and then you get a screen with some choices. But, but back in in the Windows for Work groups, and even, I think, Windows 98, it, you hit Control-Alt-Delete. No, it was back in the DOS days. You had to hit Control-Alt-Delete twice. Okay. So this gets into the how important is it to be factually accurate as opposed to just keep the reader going through the idea. And it's right. up to you. So, the, well, the thought that came to my mind was is that there'll be computer geeks that will pick up on that in a heartbeat. Okay. So what if I say you hit three keys two times? What if we said that rather than twice? Right. Okay. Two times. Okay. To get a computer. To reboot. 
to reboot. And I put reboot or restart because yeah, well, those who yeah. aren't geeks, that's what they call it now is restart. Right. So at least on my Windows 10 machine, that's, that's what they call it. Yeah, are you having trouble with Mine just keeps updating and it blanks out. And it, you can definitely tell it's having issues, but then it lives again. And oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. You're having mm-hmm. the same thing. You're right. Anything else? That looks like it. Oh, okay. That was easy. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Yeah, I mean, I knew you had said twice, and when I did that, you know. Well, that's what you used to say. That's what, because that's, because back in the day, you know, people were saying, you just think cancel, cancel twice. You know, you, you just think, do you just say to yourself, cancel, cancel, when you have a negative thought, cancel, cancel. And it, it was my computer geekiness that the, the thought, well, no, I'll just hit control, alt, delete twice in my mind and reboot. Mm-hmm. It's just, yeah. A, a, a point of interest, I guess, or a, yeah. Whatever. It's all about what works for you. It's your book. <laughs> oh. Anyway, all righty. So today, our com- our conversation is about integrity. And you said, oh, it's kind of good that our meeting got moved because you've been thinking about integrity. So tell yeah, me what just, you've been thinking about. Just in some of the things that I've been reading, and what really <laughs> struck me was is that integrity... Integrity is a product of many things. So it's not like a person a person has to develop integrity. It's it's not like you can turn it on and off. It's it's something that becomes inherently part of a person's character because of the way they show up in the world, the way they look at the world, and the way they perceive the world. So it's an intrinsic part of who you are. Exactly. And it's forever changing, I think. But, you know, there's definitely some key components to a person that's in in, in integrity. And people that have exhibit extreme integrity those are the people that you know we know as charismatic and they have a magnetic personality and people just want to be around them and and they just flock to them and you know you know the kind of people that walk into a room and it's just everybody's looking at them they're carrying with them a high vibrational frequency that people pick up on all right I gotta stop you, and I gotta call you out on this because I'm confused as I'll get out. Because there's a lot of people who are see when I think of the word integrity, to me it's a way of dealing with other people and dealing with yourself. It has to do with honesty, and it has to do with doing what you say you're going to do. That's my definition, okay? When I think of charismatic, that could be a very good salesperson. 
um, who couldn't be completely honest, but, you know, we know the reputation salespeople have in our culture. Um, that could be a motivational guru. That could be a televangelist who's, you know, sleeping on the side with little boys or something, you know. Like the word charismatic and integrity to me don't quite go together. So maybe you can tell me more about what you mean so I can understand better. Well, maybe charismatic. I just think to me a person, so integrity, when, when I look it up, one of the definitions is the state of being whole or entire, undiminished. So you're you're integral with a you're whole with a bunch of parts, right? All your parts are whole with you. So you're absolutely right. You know, a big part of integrity is 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 living in the truth, right? Mm-hmm. And mostly that's being truthful with yourself. Right. And being honest with people and and following through with things that you say that you're going to do, right? If you tell somebody that you're going to do something and you, you don't do that, then you begin begin to degrade your integrity. Not only with that person, but you know, with yourself personally. Um so when I thought about charismatic, you know, these are people that are comfortable in their own skin, and okay. they have they have a high vibrational presence that people can pick up on. So maybe maybe charismatic is 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 not a word, although that's kind of the vision that hit me in the head when when a person is very very confident and and um, I don't want to say overly confident, but they they don't have to boast or project themselves, right? They, okay. Because, I mean, I've met people who I feel have excellent um, integrity in terms of their work, in terms of being honest and things like that, but they aren't, but they aren't necessarily what I would think of charismatic as that person on the platform who's just like out there and having a ball and comfortable and, you know, they're like quietly high integrity, you know. So I'm just looking for sort of a cause and effect link between the words integrity and the word charisma. Right. No, I get you. I I see where you're coming from. Um, It's partially from my... um, What do I want to say? My... Lack of understanding of big words? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're plenty capable. <laughs> uh, All right. So let me, let's let me look at do, that then. Let me so, do something here. Let's see what happens here. C-H-A-R-I-S-M-A. It would help if I had readers on right now. Okay. And let's hit review. Let's see what comes up when we look up. Come on. Okay, it says charm, personality, appeal, magnetism, allure, attractiveness, and captivating. So now let's see what comes up when I type out integrity, I-N-T-E-G-R-I-T-Y. All right, integrity, I type up, and I get honesty, truth, truthfulness, 
honor, veracity, reliability, I, uprightness. He's an upright kind of guy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Somebody that's moral, has got good ethical principles. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But, but maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe chris, charismatic. Um, it still kind of fits, though, for me. I think. So t- tell me how it fits for you, because I'm on your side. I just want to make sure I know so that I can write about it in a way that you know, when you get the chapter in about a week or so, you go, "Wow, that really works." Um, let's see what. Just so I have it in front of me. So somebody, somebody with charisma, a spiritual power or personal quality that gives an individual influence or authority over large numbers of people. Influence or authority, okay. That that could be the televangelist. <laughs> right, a special a special virtue of an office function position that confers or is thought to confer on the person holding is. And an unusual ability for leadership, worthiness, veneration, or the like. Leadership. Okay. All right. Is this a Toastmasters guide you're looking at? No. Uh, dictionary.com. Oh. Okay. All right. Okay. Um. So we can we can back off. I back off I that. Maybe the, it's. I I love the word charisma. To me, it actually fits more in with like. Self-esteem and self-confidence, sure. that idea of being but comfortable. But you, you don't get that. That's where I was kind of going is, is that you don't get to be a person of integrity unless those are key components of your being, right? Okay, so unless charisma is a part of your being. Yeah. Okay, so let me look at charisma again just real quick. Because it's the fastest. Charm, personality, appeal, magnetism, allure, attractiveness, and captivation. So you feel that when a person has charisma, it sort of begets integrity. Yeah. Or are you saying if a a person has integrity, it begets charisma? I think it's a product of, of, I think... Integrity, charisma, and, you know, being, well, we'll just stay with charisma because magnetic personality obviously falls under the definition of charisma. Right, magnetism, sure. But I think those are all, those are all products of a person that is very connected to spirit and a person that is very present, um, a, a person that definitely a person that's comfortable in their own skin, right? And and understands understands themselves. And I don't think that you can truly be integrity unless all of those parts are a part of your understanding, or at least parts of those parts are a part of your understanding. It certainly doesn't come across. You know, like when a person meets somebody who's charming and appealing and they have magnetism and they're comfortable in their own skin and they're fully present, it certainly is perceived as being influential and having higher integrity. Right. 
and they hold their head up. They're confident. Now, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you know that you've met people that exhibited those qualities, but something inside you said bullshit. Right, exactly. That's where I'm going. A lot, You know, a lot of times when you say charisma, you know, it can be big cat, no, no cattle, you right. know. But see, right? here's the thing that I think anyway is – a person of integrity could only be the person. A person of integrity would be the only person that would notice the bullshit. But that's not the person with charisma. That's the person observing the person with charisma. Right. You see what I'm saying? So it's. Um, so a, a true person of integrity exhibits those qualities. But if, of influence and leadership and telling the truth, doing what you say you will do. Exactly, and being connected with spirit, being or you know, being connected with a higher power, let's say, or or something greater than themselves. Yeah. They're humble. They're um, you know, very likable. But yet, if if you saw a person that was exhibiting those qualities, and your bullshit meter went off the chart you being of integrity would be the only type of person that would recognize that, right? Well, I mean, I worked for people like that for seven and a half years, (laughs) you know, right? So it's like they would be in front of the world and they were incredibly charismatic and charming and and magnetic and all of those things. But in, in true definition, they really weren't. That was a persona, I guess. So I I see where you where where you were coming from with thinking, but what I'm saying is is that a person that is of full blown integrity gets those things naturally as a byproduct, and they don't have to put on. Those well, you're plates. saying they have they have a good bullshit meter, <laughs> and, and that too, right? <laughs> right, and they don't have to make up charisma; they have it naturally. Exactly. Is that where we're going? That's now I'm finally starting to get it, right? That's yeah, what because I was integrity is telling the truth, but it's a lot more than telling the truth. It's being the truth. Right. It's being and so in order for a person to be like that or be with that, they have to be truthful with themselves, right? They have to have an understanding of who they are and what they bring to the world with <laughs> compassion and understanding for others. Right. Right. Okay. All right. So you're saying they can naturally exhibit that confidence and charisma rather than it being an Oscar-winning performance. Exactly. Okay. All right. Now I get where you're going with that and how you see the two coming together. So, And that makes it a lot easier for me to kind of describe it. So, good. So, thank you for that. Something else okay, that I think no, I'm kidding. <laughs> a person with integrity, you know, they're very humble. They're, they don't boast themselves, right? They have nothing to prove, really. Um, mm-hmm. um, and certainly can, they don't dwell in the negative, right? They reframe things constantly into the positive. When, every, when anything negative comes around, 
into their reality, they they instantly reframe that into the positive, and that's not something that's something that's practiced. That's not something that you know we're naturally born with. Okay, so can you give me an example of taking something negative and reframing it into the positive? And does it make sense to use a personal example or maybe something out of the news like perhaps what happened in Paris last week? Yeah. Are you a little mind reader? Well, no, this just so. This, I, this, I can't be kind of a mind reader. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I've got integrity on my mind and this thing in Paris happens and all of this stuff just seems to come out of the woodwork, conspiracy theories and you know, Obama's over there, he's in the G20 summit, and, you know, he's he's really pushing this immigration of Syrians into the United States. And then one after another, governors right. of the states proclaim. states the last time I heard. I don't know how many it is. Proclaim, not in my state, not in my state, not in my state, well then as the facts and details come in from Paris and what's going on and the the passports that they found were forged, they weren't really Syrian immigrants and, you know, just all of this stuff. I'm just thinking these governors will, for sure, they're politicians. They're not in integrity. They're, they're quick to rationalize and, and judge and, and react to a situation that is portraying them as, as not being in very good regard or being in integrity, really. Um, uh-huh. You know, it's kind of a catch-22, too, because, okay, it, it, to come out and publicly say that, I just don't think that's a very good um, demonstration of leadership. I mean, wow. <laughs> to come out and publicly what? To publicly say, not in my state. Right. Oh yeah. When, yeah. Uh, I know we already we already have them here in Nevada because at my church last weekend they said oh we're um, collecting clothing, um, Catholic charitable services or something like that is helping out a couple of families that are refugees from Syria. And they need clothing. So there's a big box in the back of the lobby. You know, if you can donate clothing, put it there, you know. Yeah. Right? So that means we already have them here in Nevada, you know. Right, right. So, so is, but to me, to you, then, is that a good example of not being in integrity? I mean. Is what a good example of not these, being in integrity? These governors. Um. I'll tell you what's a good example of not being integrity, okay? Um, Remember when the whole, and we're probably not going to put this in the book. I'm just saying it to kind of feed the conversation, okay? Remember when the whole thing went through with the, um, uh, you know, marriage equality, right? Right. Several months ago, the Supreme Court and everything, and there was a woman in Kentucky who has that uh, county clerk, you know, position, and she's supposed to sign the marriage licenses, right? right? You know? So Governor Huckabee, who's a former church minister, you know, of some sort, Baptist or whatever he is, 
Okay. Governor Huckabee runs to Kentucky to be at her side as she's being released after a couple days in jail, you know, and says all this stuff in support of her and in support of the Bible and everything. Of her decision. You know, and I have nothing against the Bible, but we live in a country where there's supposed to be separation of church and state. And nobody you know, guarantees you a job. If you can't do the basic um, things that are involved in your job, you have to That was exactly my thought. I mean, you were hired to do something. That's what you're hired to do. If you can't do that, then find another job. Right. And so Governor Huckabee comes out, and he's saying, oh, she should have freedom of religion. He's like twisting the Constitution. And to me, that was pandering and out of integrity. Yeah. And he no. know, and he knows better. He's just trying to increase his numbers. Sure. You know. Sure. So, but that's like kind of a convoluted thing to kind of explain in your book, you know. So, unless you like that example. Um I don't know that that will be so remembered. Maybe. Yeah, I, mean, it... I know. I know, but but you asked me for an example, mm-hmm. and here we're talking about governors and so that popped into my brain, you know. Yeah. To me to me those I governors just what you're talking about with those governors is a lack of integrity. Right. A lack of leadership because they are going on fear rather than and assuming see somebody somebody in integrity would not would not assume they would find they would they would relinquish all all or they would they would look at all the facts um and I think it was a reaction to a negative a negative occurrence that then they bought into and amplified it rather Where, than reading them what's on the front of the statue of liberty by right. Right. Lazarus Town, bring us your poor, your tired, huddled masses. Right, and the, mm-hmm. so it, to me, they weren't in integrity with their job. I mean, as being the governor of a state. Now, you know, so I thought, okay, how how would that be reframed? And I thought, okay, if I was in that position, I would say, okay, we'll allow them, but we're definitely going to incorporate a, a, a more intense screening process. A vetting process, sure. To ensure the safety of our state citizens, our state residents. You know, I, 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 I'm just cautious about bringing people in that possibly could have ill will against people that reside in the state. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm totally open to doing this, but yet we definitely want to make sure that they are who they say they are. Right. But to blatantly come out in public and just say, eh, ain't going to happen in my state, it just, to me, that was, in their position, not in integrity at all. They used to call that NIMBY, not in my backyard. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want someone who is a sex offender in my neighborhood, or I don't want someone who is a convicted felon, or whatever. You know, they'd say NIMBY, not in my backyard. Yeah. You know, I've got, I don't know if I've told you this, but I have three convicted felons working for me, and they are the best employees that I've ever had. Really? 
Yeah. No, you know, I, you might have like mentioned it as like a side comment. Yeah. You know, one guy so. spent 18 years in in jail. He's a felon, and. You know, he was a little bit messed up when he got released from jail, but he asked me for a job, and this guy's the best employee I've ever had in the 30-some 30, 30 years that I've been working as a manager or a leader in, you know, the repair industry or whatever. I just Now, just, that shows leadership for you to hire that guy. Yeah. You know, that's, a, that's an example of leadership. And it, high integrity. I mean... Not to shoot my own horn, but it's just a belief that that person has possibility. A belief that that person has what? Possibility. Possibilities. Believing in his potential. Right. So what does this this guy do for you, the one that's been with you for, you said he's the best person you've ever hired? Uh, he's just one of my general mechanics, and you know, after spending 18 years in prison, he's he's been reprogrammed, and it's taken. So he's worked for me for probably eight years now, and it has taken the longest time. And I I work with him, you know, when I can, but it's just taken me forever to get him to step into responsibility, or you know, to take to push himself. And, and to make to make decisions, I mean, he's a perfectly capable mechanic, but for him to look forward, it's just not a part of his makeup. You know, it's, it was whipped out of him mm-hmm. being a robot for 18 years. I, it's just amazing. But, you know, he's coming around. I see growth. I see growth all the time, and he's accepting more and more responsibility and and there's just a huge lack of confidence in his ability and his ability to, you know, take the lead. Right. It's kind of bizarre when you, but you know, I was kind of like that too. I call it military institutionalism. When I got out of the Marine Corps, I was institutionalized to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. After spending five years. Yeah. I think school does that to people too. Yeah. To a degree. You know, our educational system, I would think it's not the same level of indoctrination as the military or a prison, but it's still, to a degree, you know, you're told to think a certain way, you know. So, anyway, so you're kind of combining integrity with confidence and leadership, but a, a, a confidence that is is a product, right? I mean, in, integrity. Kind of like I know that I know that I know. What? Kind of like I know that I know. Like I just kind of know it in my skin. Right. I'm comfortable in my own skin, and and I could show up, and yet I I'm not boastful and. You know, I I understand I'm going to make mistakes, and when I do make a mistake, I stand my ground and and take, you know, whatever it is. But I'm also going to resolve the solution. Right. That's a person to me that is high in integrity. They're just they're very accomplished and very forward-looking. Um able to take on and, and step out of their bounds 
easily knowing that something's going to happen, right? They're going to do their best or, I mean, so there's a whole ball, there's a whole menagerie of things that, that develop a person of high integrity. And I don't think it's ever completed. It's, it's a constant growth and learning, um, but you can definitely tell those people that have worked on it and are working on it just by the way that they show up. Right, right. I'm going to share with you something that I, I wrote on Facebook. Stop me if you read it already. The thing about deciding not to put the French flag over my profile photo. Oh, I missed that. Okay. So I said, I decided not to put the French flag over my profile photo, not because I'm unsupportive of Paris and what happened last Friday. My heart aches for the people savagely killed, those critically injured, and the people who love them. However, in the same week at the hands of ISIS, 40 people died in Beirut, Lebanon, in a similar attack. 224 Russians were killed when a jet was downed in Egypt, and countless people we'll never know in Syria and Iraq were killed as well. So anyway, this one gal said... Um, one guy said, that's a great point. I felt the same way thinking about the terrorist acts on Israel that have become so common. But another person said, I felt the same way, but I thought not to do so would send the wrong message. In other <laughs> words, she was, she was afraid of being judged if she didn't. Yeah, see. Well, so here is a perfect example of somebody that's high in, in integrity with this whole thing. And maybe this would be something to put in there. So the, The Dalai Lama posted on Facebook, and this is what he said. He said, point blank, do not pray for the people of Paris. Pray for humanity, because humanity is responsible for these actions. Right. That's a a more elegant way of saying what I said, you know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I mean, she's doing sort of like this Me Too thing. And I almost did it, and I thought, wait a minute, there's all these people in other countries that were, you know, during the same time frame, this has been been happening in different hot spots around the world, you know. So, anyway. And, you know, on one hand, I can understand because it's one place a lot of Americans have traveled to. I know, my kid was just over there. My kid just left Paris last Monday. yeah, I don't know if you've been there before, but it's like the most beautiful city on the planet, you know. So, anyway. I flew over it. That's about it. Yeah, I would say San Francisco is second, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so let's talk about the parts of integrity that have to do with telling the truth, being reliable, doing what you say you're going to do, actions in alignment with core values, all that good stuff. Okay. Um you know, truth, be, truthful starts within yourself. And if you can be truthful with yourself and develop that, then I think it becomes easier. You know, we did a whole chapter on telling the truth. And there can be a lot said for, you know, when we tell a little lie, or we all tell little white lies, and when we, you know, it becomes easier and easier and easier as we get older, And but that degrades our integrity. That degrades, to me, that degrades our integrity in a big way because we can't be, how can we be truthful with others 
And how can we be truthful with ourselves when we can't even be truthful with others? Right. Right. I like this one. This is one I want you to expand on, Todd. Our actions are in alignment with our core values. And see, that that has to come. You have to be able to understand what your core values are. Right. To be in alignment with them, and that takes some serious self-exploration, right? Right. Am I agreeing with things that I didn't agree to, but yet somehow I grew up and, and the agreement was forced upon me or inbred in me or ingrained in me somehow, and why do I agree to that? Why do I believe that? It's just like the lady that you were just talking about with the flag. You know, she didn't want to be judged by others. Well, did you agree to that, or is that an agreement that you have that you need to be approved by others for all of your actions? That's, That's that comes from sort of like an indoctrination in a right. way. Like I'm afraid of being judged by the Facebook police or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. I've never been one to stay inside the box and the people so that and that we've talked about that you before too. What? what? You don't color inside the lines? No. <laughs> Heck no. It's it's and and we've we've talked about that too. Um, um, what was I going to say? Oh, what other people think of me is really none of my business. You know, I'm if I'm in in, in, in integral with myself, meaning, you know, I, that I'm whole, I, I I connect. I'm connected. I connect well with others, and I, I'm truthful with myself and others. You know, all of these parts build up inside a person that allows them to just naturally dwell as an integral person. I think that when you act, this is actions in alignment with core values, I think that when you take the time to figure out what's really important to you, your core values, and then you act in alignment with those things that are your core values, okay? Not only are you able to express your brilliance and creativity, but you also have your highest opportunity of being successful because those actions are in alignment with something that you hold in a really deep space. True debt. Do that. <laughs> oh, true debt. All right. So this chapter is going to be two words, Todd. Do that. No, true that. True debt. True that. Okay. True debt. True debt. <laughs> D-A-T, right. 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 All right. So the last thing we have here on uh, your list of bullets is it says, um, building respect with self and others. Yeah, we... we We've talked a little bit about that, but as you, you know, as you don't make those appointments or as you don't show up when you tell your kids you're going to show up, you know, this is a true sign of a, of somebody that has like a, a chemical addiction or something because, you know, their their kids involved in sports and oh yeah, I'll be at your game and instead that person's at the bar or you know I I did it I tell my kids sure I'd be there I'll I'll see you and then. 
you know, something else took priority. And so I think, you know, a person of integrity understands priorities. And when you tell somebody, you know, that's, that's pretty much what you need to do. If not, be humble enough at that point in time to say, I don't think I'm going to make it. Right? Some some people are people pleasers and they'll tell people anything to get them, you know, to 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 satisfy them at that moment with full intention knowing that that ain't going to happen. Well, and I think sometimes people pleasing can be so powerful inside of a person that they don't even realize their integrity is being impugned. Yep. Big time. Mm-hmm. You nailed Right. Yep. Right, and that would be a person who's pretty uncomfortable in their own skin. Right. You know? And, so. and, and that degrades at a per. I mean, that just knocks a person right down to a low energy vibration. Right. Even if they don't realize it. Right. Absolutely. Which, by the way, we had that Alex Korb guy on the radio show today. You want to listen to a great show? This guy is just amazing. He's 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 a great great guy. He wrote that book. Um, was it thing about laughing or humorology or something? No, that was the Jollytologist. Um, he Jollytologist. Wrote, yeah, he's a pretty funny guy too. He used to um, be on the Captain Kangaroo show, or he used to be a set designer for the Captain Kangaroo show. Who's who's this guy? Alan Cohen. Alex. Cool. Alex. And Core. He he wrote the book Spiraling Up, and it's about uh, his. He's a PhD, and it's about all his neuroscience and research into things that make people happy. And he's where I got the idea, you know, that serotonin and oxytocin um, are emitted by the brain in when you do gratitude or you're thankful. Um, but we got into a great discussion about habits today and, and how habits work and why they don't work and why people, it was just, it was a great show. Good. Great, great guy. But his book is just off the chart. I mean, it's, it, it goes into in-depth, but easy to understand language of how our brain works and why it works the way it does. And when we exercise, what happens to our, I mean, they've had people in MRI machines with, with bicycles rigged up so that they can exercise and, and just watch, you know, what went on inside the brain during exercise. And so it's all backed up science that proves what a lot of metaphysicians have been talking about and practicing for years that normal people would call, oh, that's just woo-woo stuff, right? That's just woo-woo. That's all this woo-woo stuff. Oh, I love it when people take woo-woo stuff and they put science behind it. This guy's done it totally. I mean, with, with a, you know, yoga and exercise and gratitude and, oh, my gosh, it, it's just it's phenomenal. It's a cool little book. Cool. It's, a, it's only like, you know, he just puts it all out there in, Less than a hundred pages. Wow, that's yeah. cool. Good for him. So good. Any closing thoughts on integrity? We kind of jumped around a lot. Hopefully, you got some good material. But I think, I think integrity is a product of practicing the life keys. 
and incorporating them into your life. And it's just a matter of time and you start showing up as a person of high integrity. I, I, I really feel that in my heart that it's, it's the product of, of practicing being in the highest order of life. That makes sense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. High high level places. So anyway, so going back to the word charisma, you're talking about authentic charisma yeah. compared to fake. You know, televangelist. I'm not going to say that in the book, but right. you, you know what I mean. Yeah. You know that that fake. Um, charisma that makes our BS meters start wagging wildly. Right. Okay. Okay. Good. Good, good, good. You know we only have five more chapters to go. Let's do it. Want to do them all tonight? Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't. I don't. But we're, we're getting there. You know what I mean? It's like Inch by inch, just a cinch, mile no, by I'm mile. I'm highly impressed. I'm, I'm excited, and and um, um, it's just yeah. What's next? What, you know, and I've already my um, my my groovy blogger, my groovy blog ghostwriting chick is is creating a website for me, a, a, a public speaking site. Okay. Oh, public speaker site, which will be the book site too. I, it won't. I don't think it'll be totally the book site, but I think it will obviously have to encompass some of it. But yeah, okay. that's yeah, great. Because of here, the last, here. because of the last um, presentation I did, I've got two speaking gigs out of Toastmasters because of what people witnessed and saw. So, and I wow. not to toot my own horn, but people are just like. You know, Denise, I get into a, I, I I go to a different place, right? I when I'm on stage and I've, I I I I'm content ready. By that mm-hmm. I mean, you know, the content's just a part of me. And I go to a place that I believe spirit just flows through me and all I am is a vessel for whatever the audience needs to hear I'm the vessel that that flows through is the feeling that I get because when I walk off the podium it's like I don't even know what I said <laughs> but well, people are coming up to me and just like oh my gosh that was just amazing I mean and I have to say to them what what did I say that moved you so or help me along here because I don't remember exactly what I said and you know it's just—it's pretty amazing. Where are these two speaking engagements? Are they corporations, or what are they? One is an education, so this is their seventeenth year, and this is this is—it's called the uh, storming the sound because we live on Puget Sound. It's called storming the sound, and these. These, this is a, a group of educators that get together, about 200 of them, for this conference every year. And what they got from feedback last year was that people wanted to know about things on how they can get their message out, public speaking. 
and um, technology things like podcasts. How can they use podcasting as a way of developing their audience base or whatever it is? And, you know, and, and I, I just nailed two of those, public speaking and podcasting, and so I'm going to put something together for that. The other one is a group of some of them are Toastmasters and other others are just people of the community or professionals that want to know how to craft a presentation. So what are the basics of putting together a compelling presentation that gets extraordinary results and and wants people to take action? And mm-hmm. so this is a speech that I developed and a presentation, and but they want it in a workshop to where I take people through the process step by step, and then at the end actually have them present their presentation. So it's going to be pretty extensive. Did, did you give your speech on how to develop podcasts um, last weekend? Yep. How did that go? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and that's. So that person was in the audience and was like, "You got to come talk to these people, you know, this this group, this conference." So it's, you know, it's all starting, and and this is going to get me ready for, you know, corporate speaking. Not right. That I'm, not that I don't feel I'm ready, but you know, it's stage time, stage time, stage time. It's all about stage time, and the more experience that you have on that stage, the, the better. And it's going to help me. So these two presentations will help me work toward the accredited speaker program for Toastmasters. Toastmasters has their own accredited speaker program, and it's pretty intense. It's You have to do 25 speeches. 15 of them have to be paid. They all have to be outside of Toastmasters. And once you get those in the bag and they're documented and you have sign-off sheets from the event planners and all of that, you have to create a 45-minute presentation video of you presenting on the stage in front of an audience. It really needs to be professionally done. And that goes before a review board at Toastmasters International. And if that's called stage two, and if you get past that, then at the Toastmasters International conference or convention, you get stage time in front of a live audience, thousands of people, and you get judged there. They only do three a year, and if you do make you, do you have any training at all in like negotiating contracts, selling your speaking services, any of that kind of stuff? I've taken a few courses from Steve Seibold and okay. Rub Elbows with Bob Proctor and Les Brown, and well, of course Mary and Alan Cohen. So I, I kind of have a sense of that, but I'm do sure you, that's coming. Did I tell you about Big Money Speaker with James uh-huh. Malinchuk? I think I yep. talked with you about that last time. Yep, it's on my radar. He's I get emails from I get I get his weekly or couple times a week emails and yeah, I follow him. I I think that would be um a really good thing for you to go to. I wish you did it more than once a year, but at any rate, it's you know, coming up in a couple of weeks that big money speaker thing. I thought it was in think, February. Is it in December? No, no, it's December 3rd to the 6th. I had offered to send you a ticket. What happened was I went to a seminar that was about PR, 
Oh, you know, like Hugo is the fifth. Yeah, I probably won't be able to make this one. How to write like media releases and stuff like that. Right, and she right. said, if you would like to go to James Malinchuk, I can get you in for free. I just need your name, right? right. So I raised my hand. I said, yeah, I'd like to go. And what happened is me and a girlfriend were going. We're gonna um, we're gonna fly out together. Um, it starts on on Thursday, uh, December the third. We're gonna fly out early Thursday morning, fly home Sunday afternoon, you know, and uh, staying at the hotel, the Westin LAX. But at any rate, I mean, and my primary reason for going is not because I want to be a big money speaker, but I look at it as an opportunity to just talk to people and prospect. Somewhat, yeah. you know, and I learned some things too. But you're also but, writing; you're helping people write books. That their objective is to be a public speaker. So absolutely, having absolutely. that having that knowledge can just benefit totally. Right, I'm I'm hanging out with my peeps. So yeah. no, it's anyway, cool. December fifth is one of my gigs, though. I so I'm already committed yeah, to yeah. it. Anyway, I think it would be really, really useful. I think yeah. he only does big money speaker in December, but I could be wrong. And who knows? Maybe after I go once, they'll keep sending me free tickets. You go and you go and take yeah. notes, and then you teach me. <laughs> yeah. Right. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Good. So, anything else you want to add about integrity? I think we're good. We're good. Okay. Good. See what magic right, you good. come up with, and if we want to add something, or if you have any questions, you always work magic, Denise. It's just well, thank you, worse. thank you. I like to believe so. What you so, come up with? I have a. Uh, I just wanted to. I'm going to brag on myself for a minute here. I have a client. I just finished his book a couple of weeks ago, and um, I had referred him to a publisher a couple of months ago. So he had talked to her on the phone, but his manuscript wasn't quite done. I was still doing, had a couple more chapters to go on it and everything. So anyway, it was sent to him, and then he sent it to her, and she's going through it all. And she sent me a message on Facebook. Does she know you're involved? Yes, she must. Yeah, yeah, she knows I'm ghostwriting it because I said, gee, I have this client. I'm helping him with a book about this topic. And I think it would, you know, really fit the kind of books that you do. And she said, have him contact me and we'll talk even though the book's not ready yet. So hang on here just a second. I just, this just kind of blew me away. I was happy. Following that and then I'll let you go, I promise. Those are the kinds of things that you document and put on your website. (laughs) I know. So anyway, she's she wants to have me go through and sort of evaluate. You know, this is a different service that I offer where I will go through a manuscript and evaluate what needs, you know, what it needs more of or less of. It's just kind of a quick run through, and then I evaluate the thing. You know, but she's just a quick update. I met with the client on Friday. Blah 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 blah. So anyway, also I've been reading Ray's manuscript, or at least attempting to, at a high level. That kind of scared me. She said, it's been challenging. Yeah. She says, it's been challenging because the writing style keeps pulling me in, which is a big compliment. Nice work. Nice. Yeah, I know. I said, you made my day. (laughs) You made my day. So, anyway. 
All right, Easter. I will uh, get going on this. You doke. All right. You take care. Okay. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you. 
here it is. It was like underneath my laptop. Oh, you put, oh, you put it over there. Okay. Yeah, that was to get rid of. Okay. Yeah, I guess the beer is here to make it. So I think like the full glass, you know. and our sense of dignity and our sense of 
Steve Surfer joining us. Dr. Morton said, again, uh, you've been watching this month. She's learned about two planes, air plane, planes, three diverters. We're going to go back now to the Olympic factor. What's it like to be the boss of you? Pretty great. How about 10%? How about 20? How about done? I have to kind of control that. And this is give me a national cover. I can shoot any cover in the aisle I want without having that. Who better to be the boss of you than me? And you. Go national. Go like a pro. The pursuit of healthier. It begins from the second world war. Attention to you at Medicare on the cost of coping. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. Because I'm almost one hour. Because I was printed when I was up for a year. Is it on fire? Yes. Okay, thank you. We want you to be safe. Again, if you're just joining us, there's a lot of breaking news going on. Uh, we have two airplanes uh, here in the United States that have been diverted uh, in the Rizal Paris. Of course, we have the breaking news of the situation on the uh, investigation. Uh, and then now we have the breaking news of the town in the which is a uh, northern suburb of Paris. Again, apparently there's a fleet great people here in Gunfire. You saw uh, the video there and heard from a gentleman who lived there uh, saying that he heard it started about an hour ago. Uh, I want to bring in Stan Michael White. Michael, uh, this is what happened. Uh, when there is a terror investigation, um, you have raids on certain neighborhoods, and that's uh, that as a result of what happened. What's going on? Yeah, I mean, look, you're going to see not a nationwide fragment, but a continental wide one, right? Because this goes, this goes well beyond France. I mean, this is now sending into Belgium, possibly into Germany. Uh, there's going to be a lot of coordination um, between among counterterrorism and officials in all of those countries. The United States is probably going to be sharing whatever it has in terms of signals, intelligence, and success with Europe, with the European Union, which has an international intelligence link. Um, I think we're seeing the beginning of, of, of this, not the end, of it, to be honest. I mentioned earlier in the last segment, according to the European officials, ISIS has got as many as 180 operatives. That was the last session that happened January. Uh, 20 different cells scattered throughout the continent. And here's what I want to emphasize. This is actually returns to the origin of Al-Qaeda in Iraq, ISIS's earliest incarnation. Abu Musa al-Harqawi, the Jordanian founder of that organization, was personally responsible for overseeing foreign operations. You may remember he, uh, he had a role in the assassination of Lawrence Foley, a USAID worker in Jordan. He had been implicated in a host of different uh, plots in Europe. I dispatched his lieutenant from Iraq during the occupation of the war there uh, to, to, to the continent to conduct these kind of terrorist attacks and try to get away with what we've now seen ISIS getting away with in Paris. So there is a form here. But again, they are, they are reverting to this sort of fire mode um, for a variety of reasons. Number one, it's a way to distract from certain battlefield losses they sustain, particularly in Syria. Number two, uh, there, the, the borders uh, of the so-called caliphate have now been somewhat circumscribed. Right? We're, we're, we're better invigilated by the Turks, uh, certainly by the Iraqis, uh, and so it's harder for the so-called Mujahideen to make emigration to the caliphate. So instead, they're being told, "Stay where you are. You don't have to come to Raqqa and, and join us here. You know, we can we can 
Well, they have several goals. Um, if you look at their propaganda, you know, I'll move on all that daddy said a couple months ago. And, uh, if God and Moses one day will be involved. Um, their propaganda is a black flag and including the Shahada enveloped the entire world. That's their iconography. Now, do they really believe that they're going to have their dance problems like on Washington, D.C. or London or Paris? No. The second best thing for them is to do this, to discombobulate, to traumatize, and to terrorize. And in so doing, they are trying to manipulate Western politics. They, they want, the very debate that we're having now, you know, the, the rise of this sort of xenophobic isolation of sentiment, all Muslims out. That is the exercise of the They have cast their struggle as a civilizational religious one. When Victor Orban, the leader of Hungary, gets up and says, Hungary is a Christian nation, we don't want Muslims coming here. That's perfect. I'm not going to make any sort of better himself. When Marie Le Pen in France says you can just cut down the border and don't let any Syrians in, again, Perfect, because they know, they understand that is the catalyst. That is going to radicalize Sunnis at an industrial scale and thus continue to populate the scale This has always been an international project. You know, we think that, that somehow we can have, you know, fasten ourselves or completely extract ourselves from the Middle East. Even if we're not interested in the Middle East, the Middle East is always interested in us. This is a fundamental lesson to take away. They're not going to stop. Um, and even if they, they are defeated, even if they're being defeated out of Russia, the real goal will be providing a set of alternatives, convincing Sunni Arabs in particular that the United States is on their side, that we have their best interests at heart, that we're looking to defend them and protect their human rights. Right now, and I've reported on Syria for almost five years, the level of conspiracism, the level of subjection and, and disaffection, and, and looking at the United States not as a bumbling hazard imperial power anymore, but as an active agent for the murder, dispossession, and, and marginalization of Sunnis has reached a record scale. This is a geopolitical crisis, and it's a geopolitical crisis that is now leading out hemorrhaging into Europe, and eventually, possibly, God forbid, though, the United States, again. So we have to take this very seriously. And again, this is just the beginning. Michael White, thank you very much. I appreciate you joining us here on CNN. And again, I want to update our viewers on the breaking news that we have. Um, Officers have been shot and wounded during a raid, seeking the so-called night terrorist attack. Suspects also breaking news during the United States: two Air France flights en route to Paris, having to be diverted to two different cities. Updates on the breaking news right after this break. Yeah, we are doing. What I want to add
hanging out on the beach.
Syrian city of Raqqa is now the target of Russian airstrikes. France, meanwhile, has carried out another round of airstrikes of its own other city. The latest wave of attacks on Raqqa comes as France makes an unprecedented demand for European allies to support the country's military action against ISIS. As the U.S., it has been bombing Raqqa for months. In addition to other strategic locations, American-led airstrikes are being credited with helping put ISIS extremists out of Syria, northern Iraq. ISIS landed its month 15 months ago, brutalizing a minority group known as the Yazidis and precipitating the initial American intervention. Joining me now by phone from here in Iraq is Sophia Jones, who's been reporting on the Yazidi people inside Sinjar at the Wall Post. Uh, Sophia, you were in Sinjar just right after ISIS had been defeated and pushed out. What was the scene like there? I'm after Kurdish forces. I pushed out ISIS, and I then I arrived in Kurdish and others, and there was nothing left for the city. And most of their homes had been really overburned, and there were clearly smoke coming in. And ISIS had literally come to this town where they were just sitting inside the house, because it was like Yazidi or Sunni or Shia on the home in this black lettering. And people were just using IEDs and booby traps. Um, they were uncovering tunnels under dark troops to go living rooms. Um, the city was totally destroyed, and there are no civilians there right now. Was there a sense that the thing we talked to was a victory here? Obviously, it's horrifying what has happened, and, and, and the, the city has been brutalized. Um, did they feel like this had struck a blow, that this meant that um, they were on the march and ISIS was in retreat? If you talk to Kurdish forces called the Pashmani here, they will say it was a huge victory for the KLG and for the forces in the United States because they could not have done it without the U.S. airstrikes, which were huge. But if you talk to the Indians, they say this is their own victory. They had absolutely no money to rebuild their city from the ground up. And they also say, let's go and stop ISIS from regrouping and attacking in a few weeks and a few months. And it can be another massacre like happened in last August, in which hundreds of the Yazidi men, women, and children were killed. Women were taken as sex and children were taken as child soldiers. And I spoke to some of those survivors this week who say that they are terrified what will happen against them. All right, so here's your some amazing reporting out of Sinjar. From the Arab Iraq right now. Thank you very much. Joining me now, contributing editor to the Atlantic and Woodrow with the piece What ISIS Really Wants. That magazine is now working on a book about the group's ideology. Um, Graham, uh, your article was, uh, got a lot of uh, play. It was, it was controversial in certain quarters. How do you think what we've seen in Paris and in Beirut and now it appears in the final one against Russia fits with the your match? You will not meet your spouse. Until literally the moment you say, I do. Uh, I don't want to be 30 years old and poor. I want to be 30 years old and happily married. You've got to be really honest with yourself that you are ready for this kind of commitment. There is huge risk, but there is also the potential for a huge reward. We just may find you the love of your life. Under what is kind of the holiday, watching only through the tears. 
is the perfect opportunity to really show things on that. North Carolina should be in our future. It's really kind of hard trying to figure out where how to get a job. Since she hasn't moved in, she's had a hard time finding the right job. Nobody has anymore. I know absolutely nobody should be in it. My husband seems to want to be with me. It is clear he doesn't want to spend time with me, you know. He doesn't be care at all. Party, Christmas birthday, and I was like, "Sign me up, 
Um, really working hard on our relationship. 
my how that communication with my ex, and I'm really focusing on dark needs. But it's hard because it's my ex is my best friend, so it's lonely when dog's at work all day, and then he goes right to the gym afterwards, and so dog is gone literally from like eight thirty in the morning. So I edit my phone back. Hi. Hi. How are your day? Good Why are you going to wait? Because we're Like, <clears throat> another two, three years. But if I get pregnant, we're having a year. 
are on the on the agenda? Or, like, is that yeah. Or did you what's your thing? Right now it's like, yeah, I got a good job. I work for the fire department of New York. I have one of the greatest jobs in the world, being a firefighter. I have a patient here. So I'm going to leave that to go to North Carolina and have to know to do what. That's something we're going to have to discuss, even though it's, it's a hard topic. What he was saying, she wanted to, uh, if we could travel back and forth, and you know, have some, have some small New York kind of things there. But we're not making money like that. When we have kids, I don't want to be in New York at that point. Yeah. But, like, I mean, I've always felt that way. Right. But things kind of changed a lot when I got married. Right? The, it changed her. Do you have different changes, right? Yeah. It's a big decision. So you got to have yourself right forward. You know, you're setting up for that. And so that's one of the main things that I never want to bring, you know, child into a little bit of habit. I mean, they have no time. But I did want to be, like, I am financially secure enough to have a child right now. I feel like I need to be ready, and but financially, that I need to just be like emotionally set in order to have children anytime soon. Uh, from their quarters who are on the ground there, 
those reporters telling horror that this is, in fact, a raid related to Friday's attacks there in Paris, that um, two people were targeted and two people uh, have been killed so far. Uh, there are also unconfirmed reports here on the ground that a number of officers, a number of French officers, uh, have been hurt, have been gunfire in this, this, northern, this, this northern suburb of Saint-Denis. That is uh, where the, the Stade de France is located. Our own Richard Engel on the ground there uh, telling us that, that he has seen a few dozen officers at times with their guns drawn wear tactical vests surrounding uh, a fairly dense area. Uh, saw a helicopter in the sky as well, an ongoing situation. When we came on the air uh, roughly 20 minutes ago, we did hear uh, gunfire. We do not hear the occasional burst of gunfire anymore, but again, you were looking uh, at the streets there as the sun begins to come up there in Paris. You can see a number of these emergency workers here on the streets. Just Kavanaugh, uh, MSNBC law enforcement analyst, joining me on the phone right now, retired ATF special agent uh, in charge. And Jim, you know, again, much of the day has been spent talking about um, a night that activities uh, resign and they're going into that stronghold. But as you say, it's speculation at this point about what this heavy gunfire is about. You're right. You're right. The point after it's definitely certain suburbs around the major cities. France has had problems in the past 2005. There were lives lost, $200 million worth of damage. So certainly it had their problems in the past because it was disaffected Muslim youth, and this is a, a tough area for police to control. Kevin. See, the mood of uh, the people in Paris, France, uh, are, they, are they trying to get back to the way they have always tried to live as uh, people who enjoy their city and enjoy life and enjoy um, going out to the cafes or they're not allowed to do that yet. Are they trying to get back to normal? I think there's a hope that things will get back, but I think it's still too early. We've seen a lot of false alarms over the past couple of days and a lot of people running in terror and firecrackers and things like that. I spoke to a businessman today just across the street from one of the shootings, the owns a little coffee shop. And he really described how shocked he was. He ran out and saw bodies on the ground, ran back into his shop and hid the basement. But he didn't know if they were coming for him next. So you have a man who's one minute, you know, picking cakes for his little favorite coffee shop. And the next minute hiding for his life. That's a tough thing to get over. It's just a couple of days now. Yeah, indeed it is. Uh, Steve again uh, reporting uh, from Paris, France. Steve, I hope you will stay with us for a little bit. I want to get back to Tom Rogan. Uh, Terror expert is on the phone with us as well this evening. And what Tom was talking about is really, it really underscores what the people of France have to go through, pretty much what many of us here in New York and this, in this nation had to go through with the results uh, of 9 11. Um, how, how do the communities pull together and deal with the post traumatic stress that comes from these kinds of tragedies that take place when people are trying to take away our freedoms? Well, I think one of the things that is to band together in the sense of urgency and, and, and to recognize that that psychological impact that people have seen from the streets of parents afraid to send their borrowers to get back on track. I don't, my husband and me to both want a baby in the house and have everything on the same page at the same exact time, but it does just work for me. I'm never going to get anywhere. 
for Christmas for 
for 14 years. So you're going to be all girls there today? Yes. Yeah. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. All that. Look forward to it. So this is Courtney and the other one. Six girls and uh, I'm the only guy with all this and I don't know. I'm trying to keep it around. Uh, I think it's enormously important to be the friends that your spouse grew up with. Best friends are very powerful. They can be powerfully negative and they can be powerfully positive. So my group of friends are crazy a a lot of personality, a lot of mouth. It'll be fun. Okay, Jason, what do you think about Charlotte? I can see what Courtney and Elvis don't want to shop. I got to admit it's going on me a little bit. Do you think we act like Courtney? She's definitely a little Definitely a little We should get there. We're high chicks from the zero. We're high chicks.
when your big brother is there, you know, you feel good about and confident what you're doing, but uh, Paris France reacting uh, on it, well, France acting on its own, uh, conducting its airstrikes, the United States also helping in that. And, uh, of course, we've seen that Russia is now doing the same thing because it became very clear to the Russians that uh, the United States and the U.K. was right that a, a bomb did bring down um, the Russian metro jet that was flying over the Sinai Peninsula, leaving Sharmel Sheikh to go to take people back to Russia. And as a result of that, Vladimir Putin, the Russian president, vowed to retaliate and uh, definitely find the terrorist response for that. Uh, you're looking at video of that from November 1. Let's go back to the pictures right now that we're getting back from uh, Paris, France. For those of you just tuning in, you're looking at the neighborhood of Saint-Denis, uh, which is near the stadium, which came under attack uh, on Friday in Paris, France. Now, what we're told is that police have been able to move in, and they're looking for people who are still uh, connected to or may have aided in the battery and carried out some of the terrorist attacks that, that took place on Friday. And while it looks like that they are they're assembling again, and, and things appear to be calm now, or really not a lot of explosions. Yeah, for real though, because she just doesn't 
And he's definitely one of the fun parts of our vacation so far. Lately, they don't North Carolina even mentioned that again. Yeah, uh, Some of the questions that came up last night, I don't know why Jason had a big last name. It's been a year and a half. I didn't think he saw it as that big of a deal, so I want him to know it's something that's important to me. In the meantime, I know. Uh, I, I have nothing to do with the desert. 
extremely courageous uh, the real kind of any force inside um, uh, the French police. They were involved in a very, very important operation in 2012 with a church called Mohamed Mera. Mohamed Mera uh, was from Toulouse, he killed in a cold blood Jewish children at 8 o'clock in the morning. And then he barricaded himself and he did a stand up for almost two days and the red was involved in this operation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
this guy could be in there with a suicide vest as well. But they will wait, they will talk. If he shows up at the window, he would be killed by the long rifle beam. Uh, if he uh, decided to charge out in the fashion of the Karachi brothers, or if they put gas into the apartment and force him out, and he comes out, no blazing, he'll be killed as well, and the officers won't be in danger. So his choice is if he's in there without any hostages and maybe some dead Confederates are to surrender, uh, suicide, or to charge out and uh, be killed. But the police uh, have a static situation now. They, they, they're dealing with it. They've got them contained. You know, they're preparing. Uh, they're not in a hurry. Time has swung from being neutral to a little bit on their side. They're leveraging that, but they're making the decisions that unseen commanders make, uh, and they're going to try to talk to people they like or not to. Sometimes it's difficult to establish that communication. Um, it can be done on the phone, the apartment, on the cell phone. It can be done with mobile or It can be done by an officer yelling up the stairway. So uh, we don't know at the moment. Laura, uh, are any of your reporters on the ground or any of the sources there in and around Paris, uh, have they said that, that anyone's been taken into custody? Yes, we have a crowd in to work right here. And again, it, you know, the situation is moving very, very quickly at this moment. So what we look for is, no, I just feel like this house has taken on a completely different look. I agree completely. I love it. We rounded the dorm room, we added the metal roof. Hold out this front porch. Did these really cool brick pavers. This cool circle driveway. Looks like something to me. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. So different. It's so different. It's beautiful. I think it's perfect. It nailed it. It's perfect. Why don't we go get in this thing, huh? It's perfect. Okay. Come on. Welcome home, guys. Oh, my gosh. Look at this. That's amazing. This was your living room, and now you guys have transformed into what we call the wine room. Uh, this is beautiful. I love the brick. Just give it that cozy feel. It doesn't feel like it's your traditional dining room. Oh, my gosh. I love it. What a dining room, sir. It's kind of warm and welcoming. Hey, you guys ready to see your kitchen? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, this is my favorite room now. Oh, my God. This is awful. <laughs> that is awful. Wow. Wow. That was space, guys. Oh, yeah. This is amazing. <laughs> I just feel like all of your friends, and I mean, this is a kitchen where...
there, uh, that is an, an enormous development. Right. Chris, the other read that, uh, that has, has transpired here over the past 48 hours in terms of soup, have they been anything like this? We haven't seen anything that even begins to approach this, and they have uh, not all been centered in Paris. We've talked a lot about that. Some of the loose in Marseille. Uh, they've been in at least half a dozen cities that are scattered across uh, across France. And as you can also imagine, uh, the number of calls that have been coming into police uh, have been tremendous, and it is a tremendous job. Anyone knows to uh, deal with uh, police investigations or intelligence services. Uh, the most difficult part of it can be just sifting through these tips and uh, which might actually uh, yield something. Uh, but obviously, uh, police who have uh, been so laser focused on this thought in the middle of the night uh, near that stadium, uh, where, which was the scene of some of the carnage that happened on Friday night, that they had something significant enough to go in, uh, guns blazing essentially, because. As uh, we've been pointing out, this was a huge operation of police essentially storing that neighborhood and focusing in on an apartment that is right near the center square and not that far from uh, the stadium from Friday night. Uh, several suspects, we believe, as we've been pointing out, Craig, uh, appear to be uh, holed up. But these are heavily armed police who continue to patrol the streets. And again, from French television, uh, they've been telling people in that area, I'm sure they didn't have to tell them twice, uh, to stay inside their homes uh, through the night as this operation has been unfolding. Right. As we have our conversation here, the scene uh, in, in San Denis here appears again. Um, it's, it's always difficult to gauge based on some of the camera angles we get, but there are there appear to be a growing number of special forces officers in the street. Some of these officers. No snow means Tom must find other, more expensive ways to transport materials in. This is our prime time to work. The end of May through the end of September are building windows. Time management. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we do that on everything. I'm going to get a little bit of a light sauce once they go that on it. Okay, a little bit of 
I would do three competition. I wrote it with two out of the three. It's inside the rest of the right. You know what is like, um, what is it, Beyonce, is the vodka or vodka when she sounds like a fan of the sugar, sugar, butter, and the butter? Uh,
I'm after one job.
about those, but he's the, he's an operational commander. He's the guy running this cell. If that's him, this is going to be a huge development. And what, what's going to be interesting also is when the uh, tactical team arrives, you know, were they ambushed by the terrorists before their uh, team could even go in to make an entry, or was the entry started and then the gun battle started? So, you know, Laura's reported to that terrorist, and the way that happens, uh, the way they know is the long riflemen or snipers, as we like to say, uh, you know, they're watching through their scopes, and they can see if there's two dead terrorists. Yeah, I'm ready for those. Do you want a daughter or a son for your first one? There's a limit anyway. 
if you are a fan of Yellow Gold, then this will be right up your alley. You get that beauty of the Yellow Gold with the durability and hexagon, which you love. Um, I'm still a big fan of Rose myself. I love that blush tone. I think it's so feminine and flattering. I, I totally agree. I'm a peach champagne. I love the white pearl. It's a great, great look. And then, of course, we bring it in the center. Indians where they don't have kids and they 
wonder whether they're dysfunctional or why they get happy and they want to see if there's something wrong, you know, or is there something wrong with her, is there something wrong with him. What's wrong with them? They're just selfish. They don't care about their family. And that's, that's what they say. That's how they look at it. It's all about family. Zero Life has got back from an amazing honeymoon. We had such a good time. I've been starting to think that I'm ready to talk to them about having kids. The thing is that both of our families have made it clear that they are concerned about my age and what that means in terms of me being able to ultimately have a baby. And to be honest, I have some of those fears too. I'm a little worried. I really need to talk to them all about it because we need to figure out what we should do next. Okay, I know. So, Megan, what do you think about the menu for the dinner party? Oh. 
Jesus others. So I'm saying I do it with my chicken, collard greens, fried okra, Josh's favorite. Of course, we're going to make some tea and pound cake. We yeah. did get real butter. We did get real butter. We need some pound cake on. Yeah, yeah so that takes a while. It's kind of cool. Megan, do you know what pound cake got its name? No, I don't know. Back in the day, ladies made pound cake using a pound each of butter, eggs, flour, and sugar. How big was the pound cake there for? Pound cake. Oh, and it, 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 it didn't make dessert, but got pounded on. <laughs> There's a good thing. Lisa, thank you so much for coming. I mean, not only do we want to see you, but, you know, your help. But you're welcome. This is fine. I'm so glad you have me. See you around, Lisa. We're making a pound cake and making sweet teeth. It makes me miss home so much, especially my mom, because that's the thing that we do together. So I um, was talking to my mom, and she was like, you need to come back home for a little while.
Police have now got the military have been deployed on the streets as well. In addition to the heavily armed police that are out there, we saw a number of investigative police with masks on by the closet coming into the crowd of journalists, seeming to look for somebody, and then moving down the street, showing a photo of some sort on their phone to uh, the other police stations here, clearly looking mm-hmm. for something. So, again, very fluid situation. It does appear that those explosions have gone quiet for now, but we will keep on top of the situation for you. That was our speaker, Stuart, just now. We've got a reporting from the scene, and now this is uh, the live image there in St. Dolny, where it is coming up to quarter to eight on uh, a Wednesday morning, and this raid is ongoing. It's now into sort of siege or mm-hmm. scandals, if you like. AFP, on press reporting, has got the need to believe you the mastermind of Friday's terror attack in Paris, which left more than 120 people dead. It is believed to be the target of the trade along with a number of others who have yet to be identified. Uh, Fred Mike is standing by also live this hour in Paris. And so, Fred, this is, is in fact Abdul Hamid Abu, who is uh, the target of the trade. They do have him now uh, hold up there somewhere. That will be a very successful get for the French authorities. It certainly would be very successful. It certainly would be something that would almost come uh, as someone uh, of a surprise, John, because remember that the uh, authorities and also U.S. intelligence thought that he was somewhere either uh, in Syria or in Iraq. So certainly it's going to be interesting to see how all of this unfolds. And that scene certainly is one uh, that seems very remarkable. It comes, of course, as from the past uh, several days, there has been this massive manhunt going on, uh, not for Abu, but uh, for Shari Abdullah. He was also, of course, implicated in these attacks that happened in Paris on Friday. But I do have a guest with me here. Uh, you and your audience are watching the uh, home of this uh, unfold. Uh, how significant would it be if they get out of this trip? Very significant. Oh, you need my help with that, don't you? If you don't want to try to 
the courtyard or by any single bar friend that we met. I'm going to review and get enough beer.
now being confirmed yeah, and the uh, information suggested that Abdel Hamid Abawood uh, was at this address, uh, which is a stunning potential uh, development uh, given uh, he is a suspected ringleader uh, in uh, this attack on Friday uh, in Paris. Given the fact that you can link a whole string of what Christian, as you were saying, uh, in your against France, um, including um, uh, the, uh, the, an attempted attack on a train coming uh, into uh, France uh, in, in the summer, uh, including a uh, the, the French ISIS operative uh, who was arrested uh, in order to say he's been told by Abou um, to launch the attack on a concert hall uh, in France, and this Hamid Abou, the ringleader of that major <laughs> operative.
As in my American mission, after 
identify the ideal again, based on this identification, we can mobilize the public here. We could get we could real growth to our national security agency. And more importantly, at the end of the day, Kelly, we could find the right allies on the ground. I mean, we were discussing what are the Arab armies doing? Well, they're fighting in Yemen. They're fighting in Sinai. They're fighting in Libya. They're fighting everywhere they can. And why are they not fighting in Syria and Iraq? I, I will share with you what is my opinion. Because we are blocking them. Washington is blocking them. We don't want them to go fight there because we have an Iranian deal which is blocking them. The Iranians, they don't want to see the Saudis or the Yemenis or the Egyptians or the Jordanians coming to Russia, going to Mosul. I've been making the case. Five Arab armies, they can do it. We could be with them. The French are with us. We could coordinate with the Russians. But we don't want to offer these areas to the Iranian regime and the Syrian regime in Hezbollah. We don't want to move from one jihadism to the other. We have to be smart. So all the things from the top, determine, identify what is the ideology, find the right allies, and not just, not just countries. We have the minorities, as you just mentioned. We have the Kurds, the Assyrians, the Syrians, the Copts, the Berbers. Uh, we need to have a general federation of all these minorities plus civil societies in the Muslim world. Well, you know, well said, and, and as you know, members of Congress uh, on both sides of the aisle have said uh, this, this ISIS menace is not contained, uh, as the president had said uh, the day prior to the Friday 13th uh, terrorist attack. And many are now calling on uh, a, a change in strategy. But that is not the okay. place. It's gone from a handful of people in that uh, street. And so now it's like almost completely full of people. Yeah. The United States will not lead. And the deal was at the G20 summit in Turkey and became very defensive about what was going on. We will wait until the Thank you. 
an acute amount of information, uh, at least some information. And of course, we have to remind everybody that the target of this raid, according to French sources, French authorities, was the Purdue mastermind. Let's get a recap. Abdelhamid Abaoud, a 27-year-old Belgian who went to Iranian. Will she have Iranian? Yeah. At least she can say all the names right. Oh, yeah. You know? <laughs> of the Belgian-Syrian refugee, rather, Belgian-Syrian jihadis, I'm sorry to make that mistake, Belgian-Syrian jihadis who have come back and who have also been linked with other plots that so far have been foiled. But he has been a, a target of, of, of the manhunt over the last several days, and he has been a target of law enforcement authorities for a long time now. He's appeared over and over again in the most revolting ISIS videos, making threats, recruiting, oh, and generally swaggering around as an ISIS fighter. And again, he was a person of interest way before this attack. According to sources, we haven't yet been able to pin this down, but according to very highly respected media sources, he has once thought to have said to a fellow French citizen who has returned from uh, Syria that he plans to attack a concert wall. Let us bring in Julian Pellon again, a uh, professor and expert on political science and all of these criminal and, 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 and security aspects that we're talking about. Okay, we're being told three dead and three under arrest. This is going to be a a, a, a trove of information. Yeah, it's good for the information, but it is not all that to the future, and that part of the very hard part of the other part is that we see that it's all that part we're speaking about, and it's not only a three or four persons like Ali O'Bain on that side and Tony Bell Hudson, but it's not Yeah, I walked around the streets at night by myself because. Rainy, I was with. She wouldn't wear, um, I brought my tights to wear under my pants because I knew it was going to be winter, right? You know, she's like, oh, I don't have to. And then by five o'clock, we'd get back to our hotel room, and she was like, I'm tired, I have to take a nap. She never was the person to take that. She was tired because she was shivering all day. Oh, yeah. You know, and I brought an extra order of tights, yeah. like brand, brand new ones, you know, like right out of the package. It's like, here, wear these. You know, and she wouldn't wear them. I don't need them. So every evening, she would take a nap, like by 36 o'clock for an hour and a half or so. And I'd go out walking around the streets by myself. And it was dark because it was December. Oh, yeah. You know, and then I'd come back about 7.30 and she'd wake up and we'd go have dinner. So many people had come out to pay respects together around the, the monument of the Pasadena and within five seconds, just about, this sounds disappeared because there was a panic sent out through the crowd. They thought something was up. So really, people on tenderhoods, but also people I detect over the last few days really resolute, really want the government to step up the fight. Yes, people are afraid, but you know, regarding to the reaction of people during the attacks, there is a lot, a lot of information of people on the ground trying to take care of people to remain targeted. Even if you talk about it, there's more room where it's particularly and we're inside. So we see that there's a kind of adaptation to the church. To help us, but Charlie Edwards, people actually integrated that into the grid. And that, uh, people have to be resilient about that. But as we know, again, to accept that there's a risk and maybe there may be more to this attack. The first is the 
broke out during a massive break. Massive break. Grand three, and they call it massive. Now, CNN didn't call it massive. They just said three were killed and three were taken into custody. You know, um, Benjamin, what, what Wally is talking about is, is really important material uh, and information that our FBI is concerned about, uh, our police forces are concerned about, particularly here in New York City and other major cities like San Francisco and Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, because they are seeing the, the information and they're concerned about the fact that they sometimes lose sight of the chatter that goes on when they go dark, bringing people in through various uh, mechanisms or apps like WhatsApp, and they send messages out, and then before it, uh, our people can read it, and within three or four seconds, that message is encrypted or, or just goes away forever. So we have a Herculean task to try to penetrate that, and, and they, and with all of our, when you think about the fact that we're in the United States, the home of Apple and Google and Microsoft, and for goodness sakes, it just seems like, you know, and, and we can get over this, uh, this regulation or this constraint that we have about uh, what happened with the NSA and, and unleash the forces of the NSA to go after this and break into that digital caliphate. Because that's where some of the issues have to be enjoyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I, and look, I, I think, um, you know, from my perspective, I think, you know, uh, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, unleashing the, the full powers of the NSA. I, I think, to be honest, that we just make sure you're a little bit nervous. But um, from the no, standpoint, I mean, in terms of the sense. Um, where it doesn't overstep its boundaries. We've already gone through that. But the point is they have the ability to go in there. And we have we have our own Apple and Microsoft. And <laughs> At least one Thank you. 
chain or just tracking these guys' phones and, and if you see some uh, you know suspicious behavior, you figure out what their their phone number is, you file a warrant, you get a pass, start listening to it. It's much harder now and as you as you, you very correctly noted, these guys are very creative with ways what they're doing. They're using video games to do this stuff. You know, they're they're using you know you, you remember you know a lot of these guys were going into a, an email, a shared email account, and they would write a draft email, and they would save it. And then you would go on, and then you would look at my draft uh, inbox, and you would see what I had written, and then you would erase it. So we would actually never send an email, right? right? So you couldn't track those, those zeros and ones. So you're right. We do live in, a, in, you know, in, in, the, in kind of the bastion of technology. Unfortunately, these guys have gone very, very low tech to, 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 to operate. Now we're still kind of taking these guys off when you know some idiot in in Morocco or wherever it was just took out his phone and took a picture of the operation that they just did, and we were able to find the metadata and application data and drop that all apart. That's all possible. Those are good days. Um, but but in terms of crackiness, this is going to make a very difficult job for the police for the citizenry to tie that information um, from the from the police force to the FBI to the NSA to the CIA to the military.
to uh, to understand. The second one is to have the public alert and informed that we discussed several hours earlier. It is crucial to have the public understanding that we are uh, at war acting with ISIS. I'm thinking of these four young men and women in shot who were killed. Uh, I mean, when those two armed uh, jihadis went into uh, the big concert place, there were about 1,000 people on the inside. And those two jihadis started killing them one after the other. A educated American public needs to produce something else. We need to stop thinking otherwise. It, it's impossible that two persons would be able to kill up to 100 people from 1,000 people without, you know, while waiting for security forces to come. So some discipline, some culture, some education has to be uh, given and provided to the public because we are facing a situation where we know. We really know it's going to happen again. Well, we appreciate your insights. And, uh, and then you can, just, if you can, stay with us for the, uh, the, rest, the duration of this evening. We still don't know how this is going to turn out. We are watching it and also watching it at eye-to-eye uh, -eye level. Right I'm glad they haven't shot a whole lot of pictures of the, yeah. the shooters, the terrorists. Yeah. You know? Then they turn into stars and the terrorists. Yeah, and we're really in the middle of an active beach operation. It's five hours in, and it looks like at least one suspect is still holed up in the third floor of an apartment building. And police and security forces are simply in mass around this area. The streets have been closed. The schools have been closed. Buildings have been evacuated. There's a large presence of elite police forces as well as at least 100 soldiers as well. So a massive display of manpower. And it all really began at about 4 a.m. local time. That's when there was a barrage of gunfire incoming and outgoing from both sides, both sides heavily armed, and uh, at least seven grenades going off as well. So a major battle now between the two sides just north of Paris in the suburb of Saint-Denis. There's been some conflicting information from authorities, but yeah. certainly the target of this is in Paris. So he, information has you know, been there long enough to know how to say it. And military to try and find two of the missing suspects from those Friday killings, and also the chief plotter, the planner behind this as well. It's clear from police that that is the target of the raid, uh, the two suspects and the plotter. But whether or not they were inside that building or perhaps still remain inside is not clear. Uh, we've seen a standoff now after about 20 minutes of sustained gunfire and explosions. It's been largely quiet. So the police now and the military holding their positions around this house. They've evacuated. They've cleared things out. But still, so far, no resolution to this situation right now, Kelly. These uh, are basically, it's like, a, like she said, an active siege. And when you have this kind of situation, the wait can be for hours because police are trying to always get their suspect, but also to make sure that no one is harmed someone innocent is fired in the process. And as we've been reporting, apparently there was an innocent bystander at the beginning of this scene who uh, was apparently uh, shot and killed. Uh, and therefore, many people are being told to stay indoors and the public uh, offices, I think, closed, schools are closed. What's the move of the people there? 
there are a couple of schools actually right nearby that have been closed and shut down. Uh, this city and really the entire nation has been on edge since the attacks Friday. Those brutal attacks, which mainly killed people under 30 years of age. So no sense of getting back to normal at all, and especially the fact that at least two suspects were seen to be still at large as people worried. And now uh, more gunfire, more violence on both sides, just on the outskirts of Paris, as people deeply alarmed. Uh, they knew this wasn't over, and now they can hear and see for themselves that the fight still continues. Kelly, as you see, uh, we're getting some word right now, uh, apparently from French prosecutors. I know you're still uh, on the scene getting information, but according to French prosecutors, the word we were receiving, Stephen, that three arrests in Paris uh, suburbs standoff uh, have been made. The identities remain unclear at this time. Have you heard anything to confirm or deny that information? British media is reporting that there have been three arrests starting unnamed police sources, but again, they're not getting the identity. I think it's been clear, and from French officials, it's clear who the targets are. They're trying to find the two suspects from the killings on Friday and the chief planner as well. But whether those are the people inside that building isn't clear at this point, Kelly. Wow, that, that is, uh, <laughs> I guess that is uh, good news for the police that against three arrests. But see, there seems to be a lot more work to be done. I mean, you know, when you look at the fact that this neighborhood has been a trouble spot for uh, Paris for so many years, dating back to 2005, can you take us back to what happened then? Because in all likelihood, if some of the situations or the, the terrorism bombing that were that took place, uh, the terrorist attack that took place on Friday the 13th, uh, might have been related in some way to perhaps Parisian authorities or French authorities not taking this threat away back then. Well, you're right to point out that the French have had trouble um, integrating a lot of immigrants, often on the outskirts of major cities like Paris, uh, you'll have an overwhelming percentage of immigrant population, often with problems like uh, enormously high unemployment and no real sense of immigration. That situation did explode into violence and riots in 2005. You remember all the police cars being burned? Yes. Uh, in Paris, nothing like cold-blooded murder of innocents at point-blank range to inspire terror. I think it's a it's a, certainly a tough neighborhood in a neighborhood now where gunfire and explosions have gone off. And really, it's a wait and see at this point. I think the fact that people have already been killed in this case might factor into the equation. The fact that we've seen the suicide bomber and the DDR, the missing suspect, uh, we know what they're about and what they're capable of. So an enormous display of force and really at this point a display of patience as well. The area has been blocked off for quite a bit of time now. The area has been evacuated and it's really a question mark at this point what the military and the elite police forces are waiting for at this time before they decide to go into Kelly. See one question uh, for you before I, uh, I let you get on to give more information for us. Uh, as, as you know, uh, the people of Paris have been through one of the worst nightmares it's ever had since World War II. And then on the, on the, on the, in the aftermath of that, there was yet another threat issued against them from I-10. 
uh, the UK as well as the United States. And so, do you find that the people in France are still having to deal with that, and does that add more uh, more fear to them, or are they able to look at the situation and say, "We will stand and we will move forward"? I think there is a real mix of emotions here, but I think one overwhelming sentiment I'm hearing from people when I ask about what happened is one of confusion. There's a basic lack of understanding. One man said to me, are these these human beings that we're dealing with? The brutality and the randomness of the carnage is such that I think it's hard for people to understand. And you combine that with the sense that it's not over, that there are still suspects from the killings out on the loose, in the sense that, you know, they were targeting soft targets uh, with commonly made weapons uh, makes people still both confused about Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.